Welcome to SolkanaCast, two broads talking broadly about health, the physical, the emotional, the nitty-gritty, and the fun. Real thoughts on real health. The information provided within this podcast is not designed to and does not provide medical advice, professional diagnosis, opinion, treatment, or services to you or any other individual and is intended for general information for educational purposes only. All right, welcome. Welcome. Episode 24 of Soulconicast, Mood and Mentality. That's right. We're about to get real moody and then even moodier. <laughs> I'm your host, Lucia Holly, nutritional therapy practitioner. I'm your other host, Hannah Whiteman, coach, owner of Soulcona Wellness, Soulcona Fitness, Soulcona CrossFit. Yay. Good times. <laughs> I'm All also owner of Dog PD. Who's sitting by my leg right now and he's so cute. And currently Hannah's also wearing a sweatshirt. Featuring Petey. As are many other Sulkanats right now, I'm sure. Yes. We are all walking around the city with a picture of Petey and it's so cute. It's such a cute sweatshirt. (laughs) It's like my dream come true that I get to wear him on my body and have him as well. And Emily Robinson drew the drawing, right? Yep, she did. She also made my tattoo. Yeah, she's a local tattoo artist. At Twilight Tattoo, if you want to check out her work. She's the realist. She's got a great Instagram. I'll look up what it is. So before we talk about mood, moodiness, mentality, mentality (laughs) let's talk about our challenges. Last time we were interviewing Amy Kay, Amy Kay, the acupuncturist and health coach and she gave us the same challenge and that was to go out and seek some crystals um so yeah the challenge i did indeed go and get myself some crystals tell me about it so i got so i went in with with taj and our friend beth and um we went to the Enchanted Rock Garden in Richfield because that's the one she recommended. Oh, you didn't go to the one across the street from... Huge. Yeah. No. So I actually live really close to the, to Richfield because I live in by Lake Nicomas. Um, so it was kind of like I could go there or it was the same, whatever, it was the same distance just to go to Enchanted Rock Garden. So uh-huh. I went on my day off and I went in with the like intention of picking out the one I liked the most. But they're so expensive. Mm-hmm. Some are really cheap. But the ones I like are really expensive because they're super like glittery and shiny. Like what's what's the range? Oh, like hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars. And what were like the cheap ones? Like five? A dollar. Oh, okay. So like a big range. You're talking about a giant range. So I was like, okay, well, it's going to be, it's going to have to be the one I'm most drawn to and can afford. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, Because there are, like, I mean, amazing ones that are really big or really small that are, like, super rare. Yeah. So they just cost an an insane amount of money. It's like eating food, right? It's like, what are are my go-to foods? Yeah, maybe we would all enjoy the most beautiful, like, blah, 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 biodynamic tomato, some foie gras. That's a contentious subject. Right. I brought it up. You know, what's our, what's our week to we week We just food? lost half the audience based on foie gras. No. So instead, I picked out one. Well, so the one I picked out on my own was um, uh, oh, Aqua Aura. Okay. Aqua Aura Quartz. And it turns out that one is man-made. 
Oh, really? <laughs> um, it's like a blend with uh, gold. Ooh. So it, and it has this like shiny exterior and it looks really sparkly yeah. in the light. It still has like magic properties. Oh, sure. Um, and then I also picked out a few more because I was like, well, I'm here. Yeah. I got rose quartz, kyanite, and citrine. Okay. And citrine, I remember because, I well, I picked it up and I was like, I like this one. And mm-hmm. I saw that it was citrine and then I remember that Amy talked about that on her periscope that she did about crystals. She was like, my favorite one is citrine. I always have it with because it's for success. Mm. So I, I keep meaning to bring that one to work because I need to like leave it on the desk. Yeah. Rose quartz is like for relationships, uh-huh. like romantic love. Mm-hmm. So I put that one in my bedroom. Cute. And uh, like <laughs> Josh and I were having like a fake fight. Uh-huh. You know how you do when you like fake fight? Yeah. Like, whatever. So we we're having like a fake fight and I like picked up the rose quartz and was like, don't there needs to be a rose quartz here oh uh anyway he was like bring out the the quartz dissolve that fake fight right away yes uh the kyanite i don't even remember what the other few are for kyanite like sounds like peppery sounds like like cayenne pepper right like spicy yeah it's energy oh i think it's like loyalty oh come on Um, and then aqua aura oh man I looked them all up and I was like so jacked about remembering them and I don't remember them at all. It takes, it takes time. You've only had them for a week. Yeah. And so I don't know, you know, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to like rub them on me or. You got to do whatever feels natural, Hannah. If okay. that's rubbing them on you, you got to do it. Rose quartz just hangs out at your house. Oh, I remember what this one is. Okay. Wow. So I picked out the aqua aura and it, it's for truth. Hmm. And it helps you speak your mind. Oh, and I cool. felt like I picked it out and then I was like, oh, wow, this is coming at the right time because I had like just had these super like speak your truth conversations with a few people mm. in my life and um, then like continued to have them that same week that I bought this crystal. So I was like, oh, this is speaking to me. No wonder I picked it out yeah. because it was helping me like find my voice and say what I needed to say in order to get my point across. Yeah. Because sometimes I can be a real people pleaser. <laughs> and and or like just feel trapped in like what I can or can't provide. Uh-huh. So, you know, I can use the, the psychic energy of the aqua aura to help me. Yeah. Unleash my own truth. Yeah. To feel free with that truth. Yeah. Yeah. I know. And, you know, I was thinking like, well, okay, this legitimately feels like it might just be a placebo effect but oh well but you know what here's the thing placebo effect there's still something going on right like you've convinced yourself it's okay to to speak your truth yeah whether or not you needed a crystal to do that is irrelevant totally so well hey whatever (laughs) crystal or sugar pill yeah i mean if i'm feeling like unsuccessful and i need to grab the citrine to like feel successful again Mm -hmm. then it doesn't really matter how I got there. No. And it can be used. As long as it's not through murder. <laughs> Pro tip number one, crystals. Don't don't let them get you there towards murder. No. Stay away from murder. There's a murder crystal, I'm sure. Oh, God. I'm sure. Ravenite. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Very Halloween-y. Blood quartz. Ugh. I'll find that one. Don't hold on to that one. No. Did you do it? 
I did not. I failed the oh. challenge. I know. I thought about it a few times, and I was like, uh, didn't happen. Not not super close to any of the stories. That probably would have helped. Um, but not that this is filling in for that challenge, but I spent a lot of time with my houseplants this week, and it, okay. felt really, it felt really soothing. And I was like, okay, it's not the crystal energy, but there is some sort of plant energy, I believe. And I like really like How many do you plants. have? Um, I have some uh, trios of like little, they're like little plants. I don't know. Like succulents? Yeah, there's some succulents. There's some, there's like a plant in our, my office where we are right now that I'm pointing to you to show Hannah like that. Cute. <laughs> little cute ones. But Where's about, that from? It looks like it's from Ikea. Yeah, it is. It is? Yeah. Ikea always has that plant. It does. What is that plant? Swedish meatball tree. Yes. Yeah. That's there, why. There's salmon in the dirt. That's why. Yeah. They need to make their Swedish meatballs somehow. <laughs> How else are they going to sell those meatballs? Meatballs don't grow on... At a furniture store. Yeah. They grow on baby trees. Oh, I know trees for meatball trees. <laughs> so, no crystals, but plants yes how about that mood and mentality we put out a call for what do you want to talk about friends and some people said lots of things but one of the things they said was comparisonitis yeah how do you avoid comparing yourself to others so that made me think well mentality and athletics Huge. sports psychology is a an entire field of study oh my god how do people keep a good mental game that is something athletes are constantly trying to do yeah so we can talk about it cool and mood mood yeah i mean there's so many angles to come at that from. so many angles again this is like a subject that could be multiple 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 episodes and different interviews i mean there's so many different areas to be specializing in right under the umbrella of mood and affect and how do you feel and emotions and all that so for me with mood i'm gonna be talking about some different foods that affect how we feel Ooh. basically what's going on um if mood we think, if we, foods yeah good mood food nice. totally yeah these are foods to put you in a good mood so I'll be talking about foods, yes, ones that you can be looking at to be incorporating, but then also talking about what's going on in our body if some different factors that can affect not so good mood. Yeah. When you're like, I want a cookie and you eat the cookie and you're like, I'm still mad at everybody. <laughs> yep. But for a second, you're happy. Yep. For a really short second. That's my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> ah, ah. Yeah. So mood. Um in my opinion, from where I'm coming from, looking at nutritional therapy, mood is a two-way street. So <laughs> you give to your mood and your mood gives back to you. Yeah. Is that what you mean? Yeah, exactly. So it's actually one of the main reasons why I got into nutrition in the first place. Um, when I was in my early 20s and I was getting my undergrad degree, I started experiencing a lot of panic attacks, um, big bouts of anxiety blushing, thinking about random old memories, new stuff that was coming on that was all emotional and mood related. Um, and through making a long story very short, found a paper, like a scholarly article that was talking about a study, very small study. It was like 20 adolescents in Sweden. I don't know. It was, it was interesting. Yeah, it was intriguing, though. Anyway, the study showed they were tracking their mood and affect and different emotional symptoms and markers for those. 
Um, and over the course of the study, their one thing that they're looking at was if they took out gluten. And this is back in like 2007 when gluten was not a big buzzword. That was like pre-popularity yeah. spike in was, gluten-free. Yeah, gluten-free kind of started to become a thing like two years later. But so before this is like, oh, what is gluten? I don't know. I had been on an Atkins diet in my teens um, for weight loss. And I remembered that I felt pretty good when I did that. So was intrigued by the study, was feeling, I mean, in addition to all that panic, was also super foggy headed, could not get through the work I needed to do in school, all around having a bad time in my brain. So I tried cutting out the gluten within two weeks, stopped having panic attacks. Oh. Haven't had a panic attack since. Stopped blushing, thinking about just random old, old memories that should not make you blush anymore. In addition, studying work, um, school, all became super easy. It was back to normal. So that was a huge turning point for me to recognize, oh my God, what I'm putting in my body, yeah, it can affect you know body composition, weight loss, weight gain, any of that stuff, which is what we talk about on the regular, but it can also affect this whole other slew of how you're doing and how yeah. you're feeling. Which is just incredible for me. So it's a subject that's near and dear to my heart. Um, but I'm going to, again, such a big subject. I'm going to talk about three different things. So one factor in mood is blood sugar regulation. Right. Something we talked about before. We'll talk about it again. Another is body inflammation. Right. Okay. Because our brains, where we have our moods. Our brains are in our bodies. So our brains are a physical thing. So if our body's inflamed, we likely, guess what? We're going to be, how that affects how our brain functions, it's going to come into play. And then the last thing is going to be looking at those good mood foods and talking about actually like what are some action steps you can take to be thinking about bringing in good mood foods and then taking out foods that are just way more difficult on our body right especially if like you deal with actual chemical depression Mm -hmm. exactly right um and again these are all baseline steps that a lot of a lot of people can take into account so we're not even getting towards medication or any of that stuff that's a dialogue to have with a medical professional right so we're talking about food and easy things to try to incorporate and notice what those easy things, how they can be impacting how you feel. Because they can have, again, from my personal standpoint and experience, they can have a dramatic effect. So it can be pretty cool. Okay, so blood sugar regulation. We've talked about this before. So many times. But I'm going to drill it in because it's so, it's so important. Yeah. It really is. So, <laughs> so you just laughing. did like a barbershop quartet there. <laughs> it's so, it's so, it's so important thank you (laughs) basically with blood sugar regulation ideally our blood sugar wants to be fairly regulated if you think of like a wave sign it wants to have gentle increases and gentle decreases throughout the day your blood sugar will have some fluctuation because when you eat food and you're bringing in that energy that's going to go into the bloodstream that will affect blood sugar that's a healthy process you don't if you had no fluctuation that just doesn't happen but typically what happens for so many americans and people in western civilizations that have access to really refined carbohydrates and plenty of sugar is that their blood sugar is going to be spiking dramatically up and then crashing dramatically down 
with meals and after meals. Yes. And Can I just tell you, when I was a teacher, the ki- like the worst class to teach was always the class that was after lunch mm. because the kids would come in and they would be hyped from lunch and then that you'd start class and they would be so sleepy. Yeah. They'd start to just like totally check out and get really crabby. Yeah. They're crashy. They're hypoglycemic. Yes. Tell me too what you think their school lunches were. Well, I know what their school lunches were. Where were they? Like, uh, it depends on the school I was working at, but some of them had like Salisbury steak or like the hot lunch that came with the school was all like artificial processed Cisco brand. A lot of brown. A lot of brown and yellow and white. <laughs> and if they packed their own lunch, a lot of times it came with sweets. Mm-hmm. And uh, th- one of the schools I worked at had a school store. And then mm-hmm. like during the after lunch class, the school store would come around. Every kid always bought candy. Yeah. Because they were like, I need a pick me up. I want something sweet. Well, that's the thing too. When I'm when I'm talking about blood sugar regulation, I think a lot of people can feel really guilty and ashamed that it's a choice that they're making when they're in that hypoglycemic state when their blood sugar has crashed and they're like, God, why? Do I, oh, I always reach for a cookie in like the middle of the afternoon. I right. need to stop. I need to stop doing that. You can stop doing that, but also recognize that that your body's driving you to crave a cookie or, you know, candy, what have you, because that will boost your blood sugar up way more quickly than something that doesn't have as many processed right. carbohydrates, right. which that'll take in longer sh- in the short term is going to feel good in the long term. Unfortunately, when it rockets that blood sugar back up, it's going to crash back down. Yes. So tell me some of the symptoms and you already did a little bit, but some of the different signs of that crashing blood sugar, what were you noticing with the kids or otherwise? Oh, you know, um, it's like fatigue and just this level of sleepiness and drowsiness and lethargy and like don't bother me yeah also quick quick to anger or quick to sadden yeah i had more i had so many more instances of problems with kids in my room in the afternoon than i did in the mornings Mm -hmm. because in the mornings like generally also like i just think kids in general do better in the morning Mm -hmm. like they're they're best from like eight to eleven they're fresh they're fresh and then they start to get tired and they want to be outside. They want right. to be active and they don't get none of the schools I had. No. They had any active time. Mm-mm. And your body's like craving some level of activity. It is. From the food you take in and everything else. Um, so I noticed that like lots of anger issues or difficulty managing emotions mm-hmm. in the afternoon classes. Every, everything is really big. Yep. Right? Yep. Definitely. Like things that shouldn't be a big deal became a big deal. Right. Or like kids would snap on each other really quickly. Mm-hmm. And frankly, I felt like I had a shorter temper with them too after lunch. Yeah. Because especially when I was teaching, I would be like cramming like 20 minutes on my lunch is 20 minutes. By the time I got to the teacher's lunch, got my lunch, heated it up and brought it back to my room, I had like five minutes to eat. Right. And uh, I would eat like pasta. Right. Because any any of those carbohydrates are you, especially I think in a situation like that where you're stressed out. A, your brain is working over time, so you want that quick energy for it. B, you don't have a lot of time to be eating it. We'll be talking about digestion. And you can't eat at any other time of the day. Right. It's your one time to cram in a bunch of food, and often that food is going to be the food that gives you that quick energy, which is carbohydrates. Yes. So The other thing teachers have is a drawer full of like tiny Snickers bars. Yeah. Candy, get you through the day. Yeah. And to tempt kids with. Mm. (laughs) 
<laughs> prizes, man. Yeah. But you eat it. You sit there and you eat it on your own right. during your prep period. You're like, there. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so, that's not my life anymore. So we're noticing that even from a young age, especially from a young age, food is affecting how we're feeling because food is affecting our blood sugar levels. So one huge foundational step I think so many people can take is recognizing the amount and type of carbohydrates, and that includes starchier foods as well as sweeter foods, what those foods are and when they're coming in. Uh, One of the exercises we do in the Essential You class is I have a whiteboard and we draw out the different meals that people are having during the day and the effects of a kind of a standard American meal. Like what's a standard American breakfast? Bagel with cream cheese or cereal with milk. And a muffin. Yep. And orange juice. Yep, and a or sweet, croissant or whatever. Yeah, and a sweetened coffee that you like get on the go. All the stuff that's comforting that gets you through your day because likely you have a stressful day that you want to be able to get through. But all that stuff's going to rocket blood sugar up. So we look at, okay, what's bringing blood sugar up? Oh, if it's coming up, the window oh, down, oh. 10 a.m. Slingshot. Yeah, I got that coffee break. Thank God. Got to be able to get to lunch. So it's this continual cycle. It can be hard to break initially. But once you do, man, there's so much more, not only physical freedom, you have more energy, you sleep better at night, you're not so tied to those snacks, you feel less of that hangriness, but all those mood and emotion pieces that come along with that, because you're sleeping better, because you're more well-rested, you might have a longer fuse instead of a shorter fuse. Yes. You might have more energy to go to the gym, to get out those icky feelings you might be experiencing, more time to be present in your body. More time to go to the grocery store, buy these foods that are now affecting how you feel, right? Yep. Choosing foods that affect you positively. So huge trickle-down effect. I would say number one step for anyone who is experiencing um, mood mood stuff, just recognize. Mood stuff. Mood stuff. It's such a huge feel though, right? So experiencing any of that, look at the foods that are coming in and what it might be doing with your blood sugar. And it really only takes about a week, week and a half for that blood sugar to rebalance. So you can start to feel really good really soon. Good. Okay, so that's one thing. The next thing, body inflammation, right? So if there is systemic inflammation because of a lot of foods that are more difficult to digest, a lot of processed foods, that can lead to your body working overtime, to getting stressed out, overly burdened. Like I was saying before, if your body is stressed out, guess what? Your brain and your mind is housed in the body. So it's all going to affect how you're thinking, how you're able to feel, any of that. So when we're thinking about inflammation, of course it ties into blood sugar regulation. If you're taking out those more processed foods because of that, you're also likely taking out foods that are more inflammatory. So can you guess what some inflammatory foods would be? Gluten. Yeah. Dairy. Sure. Sugar. Sugar, definitely. Combinations of those. Yeah. <laughs> a donut is what you're saying. Refined, a glazed donut. Refined oils. Yep. Yep. Grain oils. Definitely. Did we say them all? <laughs> those are the hard hitters. The <laughs> thing about grains or gluten, really, dairy, sugars, refined oils, is that they come in a multitude of different combinations. Right. So if, if you took those four and then went to a grocery store looked in all the aisles with the dry packaged goods, that's going to cut out like 85%. Yeah, you're not going to find a whole lot. Yeah. That's for sure. Right. So that does a whole lot right there. 
looking at those foods. In addition, you also want to be thinking about um, anything like artificial dyes or preservatives, chemicals, being exposed to toxins. Are there some that are more like linked to inflammation than others? Artificial Uh, dyes or is it just generally? I think with that, it gets pretty individual. Like I know, I know a lot of people can especially react to like red food dyes. Yeah. Um, some people are more susceptible than others. People who are on the autism spectrum, it can often feel really nice to be very choosy and selective because they're, I think their bodies are just more overly burdened right. where they're at. Um, but for a lot of people, especially people who experience migraines, headaches, anything like that, there can be um, some of those smaller, quote unquote, ingredients that are lower down on the ingredient list that still have a big impact. So thinking about taking those out, as always, we want to be thinking about, I mean, this is a subject for a different podcast, but emotional eating, yeah. bringing mindfulness to food if food is a source of stress, right? Which it can be for a lot of people. Food is a huge subject. Yeah. Food and you have to eat every day. Right. Mon- many times a day. It's not something you can opt out of. Right. <laughs> Don't let that Soylent drink tell you you can opt out of eating by yeah. just drinking it. We need can. a whole episode about Soylent. <laughs> I have so many complaints. Oh my, yeah, it's just, it will just be us complaining. <laughs> like, why do people buy into this garbage? Let's have it be a bonus episode. <laughs> okay. It's just like 20 minutes of us complaining about Soylent. Yeah, it'll be a holiday special. <laughs> <laughs> what not to have on Christmas Eve. Yeah, and then it'll end with a, like, a video of us just jumping on the Soylent packages killing them with our feet (laughs) can't wait gonna be great okay again another huge factor of mood is exercise so i'm gonna leave that to you hannah i know that might not be the subject for today necessarily but being present in your body moving through your body when we think about detoxification processes having good lymphatic flow your body moving in space is a big part of what informs that Mm mm-hmm if you did not learn about detoxification, please listen to our liver and lordosis episode and you can learn so much more about how that happens. So when we think about good mood foods, let's talk about some of those. Can you guess? Dark green cruciferous vegetables. Yeah, that's a very good mood food. Like um, like kale, yep. collards. Protein, mm-hmm. red meat. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Fermented vegetables. Fermented vegetables. How could I forget you would say <laughs> fermented vegetables? Uh, f- just uh, kombucha? Yeah, fermented products, natural products in general. So Cultured foods? Cultured foods, yes. So foods that naturally, um, because of the fermentation process, have probiotic, so they have good bacteria in them. When we're looking at those, and that could be something like sauerkraut, natto, miso, um kimchi kombucha beet kvass any of those products all have good bacteria the reason that's important is again we we never have enough time to be talking (laughs) about this stuff but when we think about those foods good bacteria has a huge impact if we can have a good gut flora balance in our large intestine throughout our body those Guys do so much and there's so much more research. They're working so hard. They're working hard. Yeah, both the flora that lives in your gut and then also the transient flora that you're getting in that might not be settling in and making a home in your gut but are coming in just from you ingesting those foods on the regular. That's going to go a long way to be soothing for your uh, mental health. I believe the statistic is like 80% of the serotonin in your body is manufactured in the gut. 
Oh, snap. Oh, snap. Ugh. So, thinking about that blood sugar regulation, that's going to take out a lot of those processed foods. Thinking about the good mood foods, which I'll, I'll run through the full list in a second, that's also going to help make sure that the gut is functioning where it needs to be. Thinking about digestion, chewing foods, enjoying food, being present with food, all these th- things. I think we like to get really black and white, like, this is going to do that, this is going to do that. No, everything has an effect. There's like, food has a hand in all these different pots and all these different parts of your lifestyle. So you'll do yourself many goods. Many goods. Many goods. So yeah, those good mood foods, colorful, natural vegetables. Sounds about right. Yeah, and fruits too. So thinking about just getting in those colors. Am I getting in a variety, a rainbow? Am I getting in multiple servings of fruits and vegetables per day? You really can't eat too many vegetables. It's good to know. Unless you have some major gut stuff where that fiber is hard to digest. Whatever. For the most part, eat vegetables until you feel satisfied and enjoy fruit. Those fermented vegetables, fermented products that we just listed to be increasing that good gut flora. Proteins. Yeah, proteins are going to give us, especially animal proteins, will give us that full complement of different amino acids and amino acids. Um, are what proteins are broken down into. So we want to make sure that we're getting in that full slew because that is a big part of mental health. Um, There's a great book and a link to it in the show notes. It's called The Mood Cure by Julia Ross. There's a whole uh, section of alternative health called um, amino acid therapy, and she was a, a pioneer with that, really took it and ran with it. And that's looking at supplementing specifically with different amino acids like tryptophan, um, hey, I've heard of that one. Yeah, L-glutamine. Uh, I, I use that. Yeah, L-taurine. Any of those. There, there are quite a few. So if you're into that, you can geek out more by reading her book. In addition, if we want to be thinking about foods that decrease inflammation, turmeric. Mm-hmm. Very anti-inflammatory. Also so trending right now. Very trendy, but you know what? Yes. Get it, turmeric. That's going to be a trend. Great. Bring it on. So fresh. You can buy fresh turmeric. It's similar to ginger root and what it looks like. It's smaller and more yellow. You can buy it dried, powdered. It's very economical that way. You can be stirring it into sweet or savory dishes, really. Anything that you don't mind that will have a bright yellow color. You can also buy turmeric um, in capsules to be taken as a supplement or you can buy the standardized extract of the active ingredient in turmeric which is curcumin and you can buy that supplementally as well one thing if you're taking in turmeric and you're taking it in as a food put in a little grind of black pepper black pepper helps to activate that curcumin what do you know yeah to make it more (sighs) anti-inflammatory right turmeric so good you silly turmeric silly turmeric um, two more good mood foods. One, omega-3 rich foods. Thinking about that good cellular wall health, we want to be making sure we're getting enough omega-3s that are in a good ratio and balance with omega-6. So fatty fish like salmon, tuna, um, sardines, really economical. They're tasty. They're not that scary. Fresh walnuts, other nuts and seeds, all good sources of omega-3s. And then finally, vitamin D, which I think is really, really big, especially here in Minnesota and other states where it is cold and dark for much so too long. long. <laughs> uh, it's already starting. Yeah, right. You, you could just hold off on that, Minnesota. Not a big deal. Um, so great sources of uh, vitamin D will be things like cod liver oil, 
egg yolks. My favorite. Yeah. Oh, I love egg yolks. Yeah, fatty fish. Again, these foods will have multiple, multiple helpful nutrients in them. So as long as you're choosing fresh, unprocessed f- foods to fill you up for the most part, using some of those other foods that maybe aren't so health promoting, but using them mm, where you see fit, <laughs> ways to build you up as they can do, but recognizing that Like on your birthday. Yeah, with a social event, with a friend, something like that for, for joy, maybe not for nutrition, right? Right. Like last night when I just like ate ice cream after dinner because I was like, I'm still hungry. Yeah. <laughs> so don't do that. Eat vegetables or whatever. Yeah. Well, let me tell you what. Mm. Mood can very much affect your mentality in the gym. Yeah. It can affect your performance quite a bit. Ooh. Because as you can imagine, I mean, even if we're just talking about like what you're taking in, if your body is in a point where your blood sugar is super low and you have high levels of inflammation, obviously your performance is going to be affected by that. In the moment, that would feel so crummy if you're like bonking yeah. in the middle of a, a workout. Where you're I see people do that all the time. They come yeah. in after work and they're super, super drained and they're like just trying to down an RX bar before class starts hoping for some sort of boost. Yep. I do it. I'm like, okay, I need to work out. I better like sip some coffee because I'm feeling ultra dead. Yeah. And I want to perform well. Well, I never perform well and I feel that way. <laughs> your, your brain always tricks you. You're like, this time it'll be fine. Yeah. So obviously mood is a part of your mentality, like a big part of it. Yes. If you're in a shitty mood, it's just going to be hard to do things. Yep. But I also wanted to talk about um, mentality from a different perspective, which is like, how do you curate an athletic mentality Mm. because I think for a lot of people who start doing fitness later in life doing something like CrossFit or weightlifting or powerlifting um, but they haven't been athletes their whole lives they haven't like had practice at being in an athletic environment totally that being said I know plenty of athletes who are also have terrible mentalities mm. because at some point along the way, they're, they were not supported in their athletic endeavor in the right way. Sure. Your coach can have a huge effect on your mentality. Yeah. So. I mean, even for me, like as a very novice, I still, I mean, I've been spent some time with CrossFit, but I still, when I walk into that gym, I still feel like a novice. And yeah, there's a huge part of just being comfortable where you're at. But because I've been in different gyms and have experienced different coaches, they have they they make or break the environment. Right, right, right. They set the stage for that growth or for that lack of growth. Yeah, and I think the mentality of most people in the gym is going to in, in some way reflect the mentality of the of the head coach. Yeah. Because they're the ones who are informing the athlete for how to address the scenario that they're in. Like they're the ones saying go hard or go home or they're saying, you know, do the best you can or they're saying I don't know. Just try it. Yeah. You know, (laughs) there's a wide range. There is. They're setting the standard. Yeah. Whatever that standard it may be. Yeah. So there's a couple things I wanted to talk about. One is I want to use a metaphor I've used before Mm -hmm. in a blog post I wrote once before called very popular the butterfly and the bee. It is a very popular thing. Yeah. The butterfly and the bee, I think is a good um, metaphor to talk about the different types of athletes and frankly, different types of people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That you can see in the gym or outside the gym. And I'm going to add a new one. Yay. The grasshopper. (gasps) 
so cute. The grasshopper is kind of who we strive to be. Uh-huh. So cute. Yeah. Right. But a little terrifying too. I don't, I'm not feeling terrified. Maybe I will by the description. Okay. Okay. <laughs> if you met a giant grasshopper, you'd be like, get me out of here. Yeah. God, tonight I'll probably dream about a giant grasshopper. Yeah, you probably will. <laughs> so the butterfly is like the person that is maybe a little bit shyer mm-hmm. around the movements is not the most aggressive athlete. Maybe they're coming in and just kind of like doing a little bit and not pushing too hard. The bee is the opposite of that. They push them real hard. Mm-hmm. They're there all the time. They go hard. They want to get that PR. They yes. They want to set new new challenges and yes. beat them, conquer them. Yeah. So I want us to think about like how can those two different types of mentality affect the way you perform in the gym. Mm-hmm. So like let's say you're a butterfly or you're a bee <laughs> and you're just starting out at a gym and you're just starting out in a place like Solkana that is built to develop athletes Mm -hmm. because we're not just like going on the treadmill that's a whole different thing that's a whole nother beast yeah if you're just going into the yeah if you're just going into the lifetime and you're just hopping on a treadmill i don't know you might fit into one of these categories you might not you might change day to day Mm -hmm. but if you're coming to an environment where someone is demanding excellence from you in some form yeah and they're asking you to achieve a certain task here are the ways that they these might do it yeah the butterfly. Mm. First starting out, the butterfly might be more likely to take it one step at a time, day by day. <laughs> they might be less likely to remember the names of movements what? or their own personal numbers or achievements in the gym. They also might be worried that they would embarrass themselves or they might be concerned that they're going to look dumb. Calling on my butterflies. Where you at? Yep. <laughs> For the butterfly, they are concerned about just making it through the class and even making it to the gym. They're more concerned about the journey than the outcome. Mm-hmm. The bee, on the other hand, <laughs> jumps in 100% head first, full blast from day one. They might come to the gym five days a week and they want to move fast and aggressively. They go up in weight really quickly. They might try to make gains in like a week. And on the flip side, they're pretty likely to get hurt right away Mm. or feel very, very achy and sore all the time. They are more concerned about the outcome than they are about the journey. Mm -hmm. The grasshopper, (laughs) our new friend. The grasshopper might start off slow but consistent remembers their numbers for at least the things that the coach is requesting them to remember. Mm -hmm. If they don't remember, they ask instead of just trying to fake it. They don't try to rush the process, but they are looking forward to doing more. And they're concerned about enjoying the journey and reaching smaller outcomes along the way. I have like a crush on the grasshopper. I know, right? (laughs) So cute. Yeah. In terms of their response to coaching... Butterflies tend to have a harder time taking in cues because they might be the type of uh, creature that likes to mull on it Mm -hmm. before they're able to activate it right away. Mm -hmm. That being said, they tend to take them pretty well over time, but they see them as a limitation. Mm -hmm. 
like needing to make a change they see as a limitation for their ability to do anything else. The B also has a hard t- time taking cues because they want to take it real fast. Mm. You make a cue or an adjustment and they want to take it instantly and they move too quickly and when they don't get it right, they're disappointed in themselves. Mm. The grasshopper, mm. here's the cue that the coach at requests, asks questions if they need to, tries it many times, is okay with failing at it a few times, and eventually puts it into place, moves on, and looks for a new cue. Mm. Yeah? So we got people who get stuck in one place, people who are don't even want to be in that place, and then the grasshopper who's trying to do both. Right. In terms of comparisonitis, which was brought up online thanks to Amy H. Thank you, Amy. Yes. Shout out to you. Ooh. Comparisonitis, first of all, that's super common, mm-hmm. the desire to compare yourself to other people. But butterflies might be like, um... What do you mean by that, Amy? Why would you ask that question? I would (laughs) never do that. Because the butterfly only compares themselves to others in a negative way. Sure. As in, I could never do that. Or, you don't want to partner with me. I only lift small weights. Mm -hmm. Or, I'm staying very light today. I don't know if you want to use my bar. So sad, butterfly. It is. The butterfly tends to... Be proud. Yeah, tends tends to not be super proud of their achievement at lighter weights. But also they might not even know what anyone else is doing at all because they're not really paying attention to anyone else's achievement. They're like hyper-focused. Right. Unless they're like there to cheer that person on, but they're not comparing themselves in that same way. Mm-hmm. As a result, they might be less likely to actually try to strive to someone else's goal, which is good, but they also might not push themselves. Totally. Right? They may not see the value in actually pushing harder to try to keep up with your partner or keep up with someone else in the class right it might be just such a negative concept that it's, yes they don't see the positive it scares them yeah. yes because what if they failed at it after yeah. trying <laughs> the b on the other hand is acutely aware of what everyone else is doing they might not even know their own one rep max but they know everybody else's oh snap <laughs> or they know their own and they know everybody else's for every lift but they also know how they stack up to every other person in the class. They come in and they are analyzing exactly who they stack up against. They're ranking. They are ranking themselves. They're ranking the hive. And when they cheer someone else on, it sometimes comes off as sounding like it's bitter mm-hmm. or maybe even jealous. Mm-hmm. And they are really concerned about hitting the RX mm-hmm. no matter what it takes. Even if, and especially if, it sacrifices form. Yep. As a result, they are definitely going to push themselves harder and they will make gains sooner than the butterfly. Sure. But they're more likely to be very disappointed in themselves often mm-hmm. and they could end up hurt. Right. Which would just be like so tough for them. Then they're out. Right. You can't even. And we're out. about to talk about that too. <laughs> well, how, how the, the bee deals with injury. Yeah. The grasshopper. Mm. What can you picture the grasshopper will do? In comparison, comparing themselves to others. <laughs> well, the grasshopper would probably be aware of the lifts that are occurring around them, but they're recognizing that they're on their own journey and they have their own steps to how they'd like to approach a PR or a goal. That's right. The grasshopper is methodical, but maybe not as methodical as the butterfly. Yeah. They tend to take some risks, but not nearly as many risks as the, as the bee. Uh-huh. They know their own one rep maxes and they live by percentages. They love the idea of calculating out their percentages and 
working through a program to achieve the outcome that they're looking for. Mm. They enjoy the programming just as much as they enjoy the one at max day. Mm-hmm. The butterfly love the program. They'll, they won't even show up on one at max day. <laughs> the bee is only coming in on one at max yeah. day. Um, they want to do well and they might not even, they might even have another person in the gym who they're chasing, mm-hmm. but they're, they're realistic about who that person is or what their goals are in comparison to that person. Mm-hmm. And they don't just choose the most athletic person in the gym when they very first start and decide, well, that's the person I'm always going to chase. Right. Right. They're more likely to, um, concern themselves with doing better than they did last time. Right. Versus doing better than someone else. How do they deal with an injury? Let's find out. The butterfly <laughs> retreats Aww. into their little cocoon. No. If a butterfly is hurt or they sense a feeling of pain, they tend to jump to injury quicker. Yeah. Claiming calling it an injury quicker. Yeah. They they might completely take the time their time off the gym because they don't want to quote unquote test it. And they tend to do passive healing processes like stretch passive stretching mm. or asking for someone else to cure it for them <laughs> drinking yeah. more water yeah uh things that would be good for healing but are only passive they sometimes blame themselves for the injury mm. and sometimes they blame other people like oh it was because of the thing we did in the gym and so therefore i have no control over whether it's better offloading that the butterfly doesn't have to concern themselves too much with their performance Mm -hmm. they tend to hope for the best and then when they come back into it they end up with more pain and may quit altogether oh no butterfly come back i know don't be scared butterfly i'm always worried when a butterfly gets hurt yeah because i'm like oh no right they'll take it too far Mm -hmm. and they're afraid to ask for help a lot of times yeah or when they do it's like help me do it for me or even do help, it for me or even like help me after the fact yes when it's far too late when they've been having pain for like six weeks yeah or they yeah. try to figure it out themselves yes and they come back too late and it's like oh, we could have yeah. could have helped you with that yes yeah. and the butterflies take it so personally so yeah. emotional um the bee gets hurt still trains as hard as they can <laughs> bee. <laughs> trying to po- possibly push through the injury mm-hmm. or the pain and they might say things like, I'll just stop when it hurts. Oh. Oh. <laughs> it hurts to hear I know. B. B, it's okay. They will also tend to blame it on something else or blame their performance on the injury mm. because their performance is very important for them. Mm-hmm. Um, they still try to pull heavy weights in other movements. So they'll still try to do their one rep max deadlift when their shoulder hurts mm-hmm. without thinking about the connectedness of the system. They won't do mobility. But if they do do mobility, they do it like 100% and they like really push through the stretch. Yeah. They want to make sure they get the full effect of the stretch. I get this whole stretch. Yes. They also will likely not take any time off to recover. Um, they will end up staying hurt and they'll just deal with it. Mm. The grasshopper notices that they're in pain, slows down but doesn't stop. They focus on recovering their area of injury strengthening the muscles around the injury in a structured way asking for help from a coach or a doctor um going to a pt seeing somebody for some assisted help if that's what they need they do what they can otherwise to feel strong but they know that they have limitations during that time and they don't blame themselves for that 
for that change to their performance. Mm -hmm. They tend to come back and take down their numbers and lower their percentages when they've taken a break and take their time working back in. Mm. And they might even use the words post-injury PR. Oh. Which you will never see a bee do. Never, ever. They'll be like, it's not a lifetime PR. It's just a PR. Yeah. And a butterfly would be too embarrassed to even like talk about it. And they'd be like, I don't know what my original PR was. (laughs) Okay, so all of us are going to have some aspects of each of those little creatures that we find live inside of us. And maybe some of us like live in the grasshopper sometimes, but go to bee when we're in a bad place or go Mm -hmm. to butterfly when we're in a bad place. Mm -hmm. Probably most of us strive to be the grasshopper, Mm -hmm. but it's good to know where you're at because you know your downfalls. Yeah. Like if you're highly competitive and you live the bee lifestyle, you know that you're going to live with more disappointment and regret and maybe even guilt about your performance. Mm -hmm. And you know that you might have a tendency to overtrain. Mm -hmm. You might have the tendency to push through pain not rest enough. Not rest, not recover. Mm-hmm. Your limiting factors are more your inability to step back. Whereas a butterfly might have the inability to step up. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. It's a lot to take in. You like that metaphor? I love that metaphor. Yeah. So the first thing I think that you have to recognize when you're trying to like understand your own mentality and build build a mentality that works for you is like where you currently fall. Yeah. Do you tend to be more of a butterfly? Do you tend to be more of a bee? Or are you pretty chilling right now in that grasshopper zone? Okay, maybe you have other experience with athleticism in the past if you're a grasshopper and you've had some time to accumulate that. But if you're just starting out, you might just like fall into one category or the sure, other. Sure, sure. The other thing is then once you've like figured out where you sit, you can think about some um, some of the things that athletes do who are, represent grasshoppers, what they do to actually be successful in that way. Mm. So I found a list of nine things, Mm. according to the Ohio Center for Sports Psychology, that successful athletes do. So the first one is choose and maintain a positive attitude. Yeah. Easier said than done. Totally. The second is maintain a high level of (laughs) self-motivation. Easier said than done. Yep. The third is set high but realistic goals. Four, deal effectively with the other people around you. Yeah, that's big. Five, use positive self-talk. Oh my God, huge. 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 Six, use positive mental imagery. Seven, manage anxiety effectively. Mm. Eight, manage emotions effectively. And nine, maintain concentration. All of which can be supported by the good mood foods. That's right. <laughs> put that in there. That's right. So some of these things are going to be things that you do in your in your life before you come to the gym yeah. and when you come to the gym some of them are going to be things that you do to try to um, improve your athleticism in the moment and then some of them are going to be things you do to improve your mentality after the fact mm. so like choosing and maintaining a positive attitude that's going to be all three coming into the gym if you're on your way there and you're like this is going to be a shitty day you're setting yourself up for disaster yeah if you look at the workout and you open it up and you're like, wow, there's a lot of things in there that I am not very good at naturally. This is a great opportunity for me to practice. Yeah. This might be a more mindful day. Yes. This is going to be a fun chance for me to see where I'm at with this thing. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a great day to try my technique. 
this will be an awesome day to see what the coach has to say to help me. Rerouting that energy. Right. Yep. This will be a really fun day for me to work with someone new. Yeah. Or this is going to be a great day for me to just go in and do my best. Yeah. Totally. Right. This is the day where I look forward to working out with people around me. Yes. Being in that other environment for an hour. Right. Maintaining that same type of positive attitude. It's a choice. Like athletes who are who are strong athletes know that that attitude is a choice. Mm -hmm. Even if your mood is low, which it can be, mm -hmm. you can you can talk to yourself in a different way. You can for sure. Maintaining a high level of self motivation. That's something that is going to get you from hard workout to hard workout some you know a lot of like doing what we do is not the actual end of the cycle it's the experience of being part of a challenge of being mid-cycle when you're like at your on your deload week and you don't want to be deloading or you're like on a heavy day and your body feels really crummy mm -hmm. being able to say I'm motivated by the idea of just doing this more because I choose to and because I have the right to do it mm -hmm. and I have the uh, ability to do it my body works the way I need it to and even if it doesn't I'm doing the best I can to keep moving forward and I think seeking out an end goal can be part of that too part of keeping that motivation whether yes. the end goal is like the end of the challenge or some like bigger goal or some smaller goal yes something where you can like write it down and, and I also think like reflect on it people who have self-motivation who have really good self-motivation never blame other circumstances yeah. for reducing their ability to participate mm -hmm. like if someone has good self-motivation they don't blame their job for like making them stay late and so that's why they can never come to class mm -hmm. or whatever um they find a way around it because they're excited about what they do they mm -hmm. wake up earlier they want to be part of it because they have decided that those are the clients that last the longest those are the athletes that last the longest those are the people that we see carry on yep is people who have decided they're coming into it for their own need, not for the need to lose weight or the need to look better or the need to be stronger, yep. for their own need just to be part, part of it. Mm -hmm. um, high but realistic goals. Yeah. The butterflies need to work on setting high goals. Yeah. The bees need to work on setting <laughs> realistic goals. Ugh. If you have a one rep max clean of 105, it is not realistic for you to think that in six weeks you all have a one rep max clean of 185. Yeah. That is sweet of you to be excited about but it's not practical and it could put you in a place that makes you feel really crappy about the accomplishments you do hit right um deal effectively with people <laughs> um tough for all parties you're yeah i'm really what this means is like within the system that you're in as an athlete you are part of a larger unit like you're part of a larger program that has a coach that has other teammates that has that you're part of your family unit like you're one thing not everything relies on your performance and also you need to give in order to be part of the system yeah does that make sense totally so you can't come in and be like expect that if you don't do well the whole thing's going to collapse and that is hard to do in a in a solo sport mm. by the way like in weightlifting or like in tennis or other sports where you're playing alone it can seem very isolating when you're on the platform or when you're up for the performance you're like this is all on me, but it's yeah. not. It is not all on you. Interesting. The program also has a part of that, that your teammates also play into that. Just like when your teammate is on the platform, you play into it as well. Mm -hmm. Their performance also relies on their ability to connect with you as a teammate. Right. So if you're working with someone on a bar and you come in and you just have a shit attitude, 
and you're like, whatever, I'm just trying to get through the day. Yeah. They're going to feel that and they're going to be affected by that performance. Yep. And the other thing, and this has like a little bit to do with it too, is like that self-talk and I think your ability to talk to other people, those are going to be the same. Mm -hmm. If you're telling yourself you're doing bad, you're not going to really know how to effectively like lift somebody else. Mm -hmm. This is the one I struggle most with personally. I feel like I get, I have the worst mental self-talk, mm. like the absolute worst. I can imagine myself doing well, but then like right before I go to a lift, I'm like, you're going to fuck this up. Mm. Or if I miss, that's the part where most people get into trouble. Yeah. If they miss or they mess up or they don't hit what they want, they're like, well, I guess that means this about me. Right. I guess that means I'm not this enough or I'm not that enough. They take it personally. Yeah. And it's not personal. Your performance depends on a lot of things yeah. every given day. Yeah. If you're coming into it like, I'm going to do the best I can, you can do this self. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards, if you don't hit that performance, you know, it's hard not to do this. It's hard not to like get down on yourself. But if you can just say to yourself, like that was a great effort. Yeah. Even if you're like, you know, you do your workout and you messed up. You like didn't do it right or you got the number wrong or whatever. You finished too early or too late and you're like, oh, no, I didn't do this right. Whatever. That was a good effort. That was a good effort. I mean, it's like talking, talking to kids, right? Yes. It's like you, you did it. Or the little pig the in little pig. Babe. Yeah. <laughs> That'll do. That'll do, pig. Yeah. Um, okay, then the other things are like within the moment mental imagery dealing with anxiety dealing with emotions concentration that's all like within the moment yeah. so like as you're going into a workout or a lift or a game your anxiety should be peaked that's a good thing right like butterflies do not be afraid of that your adrenaline should spike you that should, is good yeah you should have a butterfly in your stomach yes but you have to know how to maintain it it yeah. can't be an overwhelming level to where you're like have shortened breathing to where you're sweating to where you feel um so anxious that your teeth are chattering or that your hands are cold yeah. if you're letting your anxiety get to that point you are killing your performance right but if you can feel that like the oomph around three two one go you feel that excitement that the excitement of walking onto the platform the excitement of stepping onto the court that you need to have in order to perform well mm -hmm. yeah i think you have to understand that you will be feeling different things yes yeah, so many different things and that that is part of the process yes and recognizing that you feel that way like if you miss a lift and you're like i'm angry at myself for doing that mm -hmm. just say it out loud i'm angry at myself for doing that yeah and then you can follow it up with but what a great effort yeah or you come off and you're like, fuck, I missed. I'm so excited to go in the back room and take a new attempt. Yeah. Make sure you manage that excitement and that you give yourself realistic expectations. Stay calm. Yep. Concentrate. Pay attention. Mm -hmm. Know what you're doing. Focus on the here and now and not on the before or the after. And I think that also speaks to anyone who's taken time off of the gym and they're coming back after injury or after whatever and maybe more of the butterflies again where they're like, oh, I'm nervous. Yes. Oh, like, I'm not going to do it well. I'm not going to, everyone's going to know that I took time off. Yes. Managing that instead being like, oh man, I'm fresh. Exactly. Yeah, and I can come back and man, I get to see my buddies. Yes. Right. Just knowing that like there's never a reason for you to explain away anything mm -hmm. there's no reason for you to come in and explain away 
your inability to do something or your just your your lack of desire to do something. Yep. I'd rather you put a positive spin on it. I personally do better when I put a positive spin on it. And when I don't, it's really hard. Yeah. The last thing I would say is like as you're striving to be a, a grasshopper is to remember that all of your athletic performance is a defined scenario that has a beginning and an end. Mm. It only goes on for a, sor- a certain period of time. Mm-hmm. The outcome may not be that important that day and likely if you're like a middle-aged person doing crossfit the outcome is rarely it's if ever actually important it will never change anything except provide you with some confidence and excitement and something to look forward to but it's not gonna change anything like missing a pr front squat is not gonna cause your divorce yeah totally (laughs) like it's a defined scenario where you already know the inputs and the outputs, mm-hmm. if it helps you to just focus on the fact that you you already know what to expect from this scenario and to expect from the athletic endeavor, like it can help you reroute how you're thinking about it. Yeah, I would say that applies for any age. Yep. Definitely. So it's a lot. There's a lot to think about. Yeah. I mean, there's a whole field of study based on this, but yeah. uh, Amy H, to answer your question specifically, comparisonitis, it can be a good and a bad thing. Mm-hmm. It's okay to compare yourself sometimes to someone around you that has similar performance as you because it does help you push yourself. It can be motivating. It can be a motivator, exactly. If you have a training partner who you really connect with and who lifts similar weights to you or, um, you know, maybe when you're training for the power, next powerlifting meet, if there's someone in your weight class who you really aspire to be like, those are okay comparisons to make mm-hmm. because it gives you something to, to shoot for. But... When you achieve something positive, only put it in the frame of reference of your own success. Right. Your success is relative to your success, mm-hmm. not to anyone else's success. So celebrate your victories, even if they don't compare to other people's. Definitely. Right? Yeah, for sure. Because those people are cheering you on anyway. Yeah. And w- and also, would you want those other people, if, you know, if someone is kind of chasing you and you're a motivating factor for someone else would you want them to beat themselves up if they aren't doing Uh, what you're doing let me tell you what (laughs) this happens to me sometimes yeah i'll be like in a class or whatever and i'll hit a number uh on a lift and someone will say something like "Ugh, i'll never be as strong as you or like i can't even come close to that or that's 200 pounds more than i can do it's kind of infuriating Mm -hmm. because i'm like i've been doing this for seven years yeah of course it's more than you. But that's okay. Yeah. And also, like, maybe I didn't feel that good about that lift. And then when it's, like, like that, that comparison just makes me feel like I can't be proud of my own success right. or failure. Right. Like, I can't, I can't think about my own failure or be proud of my own success because it's, like, out of the realm of someone else's possibility. Right, because it then informs someone else. Yeah, I'm like, well, it was a one-pound PR for me, and I was really excited but now I just feel like embarrassed, right? you know? Yeah. So it goes both ways. Like if you're negative self-talking, you're negative talking everybody else mm-hmm. in the room. Mm-hmm. And that's not fun. No, lift yourself up. Give and yourself a hug. Exactly. Know that it's all okay. Eat that good mood food. Exactly. And then bring that great energy to class. Right. That's why everyone likes lifting with you, Amy. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, Amy H., you never brought a posi- uh, anything but a positive attitude to class. Yep. And I bet you everyone in the gym would think that you lift more weight than you even do because you have such a great positive <laughs> attitude. Hell yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean, girl? Yes. Sometimes you got to talk tall to walk tall. Yeah. Hell yeah. 
Okay. <laughs> Let's end it there. What do you say? Um, I will say one thing. We have our challenges to give each other. We do. I want you to decide if you are truly a butterfly and think about three of the ways from that nine-way list mm-hmm. that you can actively work towards being more of a grasshopper. And we'll share that list on the show notes too. Sure will. That's your challenge, world, but also Alicia, that's your challenge. <laughs> okay. I will take that challenge on with the butterfly itch that I am. <laughs> um, Hannah, my challenge for you is to look this week at how many servings of good mood foods you're eating. Okay. And of the list that I mentioned, is it balanced across that spectrum? I will look at that. Good. I have some guesses. But maybe just thinking about it will change it. Yeah. You never know. We'll see. We'll tune in next week. Tune in we next week see. for more glorious talking about health wellness and everything in between yeah uh thank you to taj um sometimes when you look up when you look at like an image of jupiter Mm. the swirl um you just like for a moment you might see a face Uh, that's taj ruler oh it is thank you all and we'll see you next week see ya sulcana cast is produced by taj ruler Subscribe on iTunes or visit sulcanacast.libsyn.com. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com for full episode information. You can also visit our website at sulcanafitness.com to stay up to date on everything health and fitness. Join in on the conversation over on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Sulcana CrossFit. See you there.